0: Uh, without question, I have struggled with this. I have wrestled with this. I do not feel qualified uh, to do this. And I think that that is part that maybe we all feel that there's a little element of I just don't pray enough or I'm not sure if I pray the right way, that sort of thing. Uh, So just know, as, as I have prayed and wrestled with what to share this morning, as Alice and I have talked about this over the last couple of months, uh, what, what we're going to share is what we trust that the Lord has for all of us uh, today, but it, it, it's hard just to say we're going to talk on prayer, because there are a million things we can talk about when it comes to prayer, uh, but we've divided this really into two parts. Uh, us talking to God, God talking to us. So speaking to the Lord, listening to the Lord. I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about the, the speaking to the Lord part, and then Allison will, hearing from the Lord. So if you have your Bibles... I'm going to read just a a couple of passages that have stood out to me truthfully uh, for as long as I've been walking with the Lord. And uh, this will make sense as as I share what I sense that the Lord has uh, from me to share with y'all. So, first, uh, look at Matthew chapter 6. Maybe I should just use the traditional Bible. And we can't talk about prayer without starting with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, where Jesus commands us. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All right, we will come back to that in just a minute. All right, now turn to uh, Mark. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Uh, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left his house, went off to a solitary place, and there he prayed. That was one of the first verses that I ever memorized. All right, and now, uh, New Testament, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Again, there's a reason for all of these. 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 2 and 3. Says so we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the thought there is mentioning us. All right, I am. Uh, I'm not that creative, like with acronyms and that sort of thing, but I have come up with the cheesiest, worst acronym ever uh, to talk about how we talk to the Lord. And that is the acronym REAL, R-E-A-L. Uh, this is not particularly creative, but I hope it works. Uh, so each of these letters, R, E, A, and L, I, and I really do hope that this embraces what the Lord has for us this morning, in the context of our conversation with God. And that is a real conversation with a real God, that we have not made this person up. He doesn't just live in our mind and our imagination, but we really are talking to someone who is the creator of heaven and earth. And we do it by faith, but it really is real. So may our conversation with him be all that he wants it to be. And I'm going to go through these four quickly, and then uh, we'll talk about it. And hopefully we're saving time for Q&A. All right, number one, uh, R, no shocking here, this is a relationship. Like every Christianity talk you're ever going to hear is going to say this, but we cannot talk about prayer without emphasizing the whole context of a relationship. This is everything. It's everything, and I cannot preach it enough. Our prayers must begin with the task of embracing how does God think about you and me. Not how do we think about him, but how does he think about us? Uh, Our prayers have to start there. If you were at the seminar last night, Sherry Simmons was a phenomenal theologian. As she was talking about her daughter playing and all that, like, oh, that's how the Lord thinks about us. That is absolutely a thousand percent correct. That we have to embrace the fact that in Christ, because of the work that Christ has done, when God, our Father, looks upon us, he enjoys his people. He adores us. We have to start with that. Jesus commands us to pray, our Father. The miracle of that has to affect our hearts. Our prayer is never going to make sense. This is ridiculous. Ridiculously theologically rich. We went from being enemies of God, objects of wrath, outside the family, outside of everything, only deserving his displeasure, only deserving uh, complete and utter destruction. And now because of Christ, when Jesus says it is finished, I mean, it is finished and something major happened. Jesus is now our brother. His father is our father. Uh, so we cannot we cannot start prayer without first just reimagining and thinking the gospel of the holiness of God, our sin, his mercy, his sacrifice, our adoption, the permanent nature of being inside of his family. When we begin our prayer, it must begin with our relationship with him and how he looks at us. So relationship and prayer means that there is now no pressure. There's no pressure to pray. There's no anxiety to pray. There is no performance. All that's gone. Jesus took every bit of that. Now it is a perfect relationship. This is about delight. This is about enjoyment. The command is not to pray exclusively, but it's to call the Creator God our Father. Um, So I've... Raise teenagers, um, and something I've noticed with, with teenage boys and girls, of somewhere in the 16 to 17 year old age range, i become absolutely the most boring person on the face of the earth, <laughs> which there is some truth in that, I get it. Uh, but you know what I kind of like from them is just to spend a little bit of time with them, <laughs> like we used to. Uh, I beg you to see this morning your father likes you. Jesus has made it not only possible, but that is just the way God sees you. He enjoys time with you. Your guilt's over. Your shame is gone. You're free to come into his presence <coughs> and enjoy it. Uh, I, I do have a 15-year-old son who's over here now. I'm grateful for this. I didn't think about this as I was given my writing this illustration, but... Back in December, uh, he got into a little bit of trouble at school because uh, there's a choir. Uh, the upper school concert was here. They were practicing during the school day, but it was here at church. Well, Keaton's only been in this church a million times in his life. So they're all in the sanctuary practicing, and Keaton and his buddies are back in my office sitting on the couch talking to Mac Hole. And they got in trouble because they were late. And you know what? I don't care how much trouble they got into. I loved that he felt the freedom to walk right back into my office and jump on the couch and hang out with his youth director. He can get in all the trouble he wants. I could care less. Because I love the fact he wanted to be in the presence of where he knew he probably wasn't supposed to be. That's a picture of prayer. We get to go inside the presence and be welcomed. In a place where we should never be and enjoy ourselves. This is prayer. Come to Him. The pressure is off. It's real. It's a relationship. So, simply put, application wise, come freely in prayer. Come and stay a while. I think it's the picture. Enjoy yourself. All right, second thing and this is the E. Again, not shocking. This is emotions. Um, So because God is our Father, because Jesus has made it possible for us to come into his presence, so now we come in full-on honesty with him, which means you speak to your Savior with the realness of your heart at the particular moment of your life, which will change all the time. So if you study the prayers of Scripture, they are not religious, rote dry or boring rather the book of psalms has every emotion that exists in a human heart and mind is there all of them so in our freeness to come into the presence of our father we're now free to be the humans that he made us to be and we are filled with emotions Um, again i want to look at a passage Uh, i read this in my daily devotion the day after i wrote this And I I thought it it just put an exclamation point behind this. Look at uh, Psalm 18. Just the first four verses. Uh, uh, Five verses. I thought this was so great. Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. Right? Perfect, beautiful, theological. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Again, all beautiful, God's attributes. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and saved from all my enemies. Again, glorious. Verse four, the cords of death encompass me, the torrents of destruction assailed me. He didn't just stop with, "Oh glorious are you, O oh God. It's rather glorious are you, O oh God, and I'm in trouble. This was not just a pious prayer. This is full-on raw emotion. This is where I am right now. And this is in the Bible. This is how we're supposed to talk to the Lord. Our mind, our heart, our fears, our anxieties, our thanksgiving. Let it all out because he's our father and he already knows we have it. For that matter, he is sovereign over our circumstances. As we let our emotions flow to him, he already knows what they are. God is real. We live in a fallen world. Our prayers have to match that. Um, I think the worst prayer in the Bible is from Jonah chapter 2. Anybody ever looked at this prayer? You know the story. Jonah's just been swallowed by a whale. He is sitting inside of the stomach of a whale. So let the grossness of that affect your heart this morning. And in Jonah chapter 2, he prays. Go back and look at it. It is polite. It's orthodox. It's specific. I would even say it's kind. But he's inside of a freaking fish. It doesn't match. When I was taught this in seminary, it made perfect sense. He just wanted to be the polite little Christian. But his prayers did not match what's going on in his life. He's been swallowed by a fish. Like, now's not the time to worry about orthodoxy. Now's the time to cry out, God, what in the world is going on? I'm in a fish. There's no desperation. Should we not be people of desperate, raw, raging emotions? We're humans. Of course we are. The tone of our prayers to our Father should match the circumstances that our Father is already aware of. I, I keep talking about this story, but uh, there are a couple guys I used to know and work with who, who uh, we worked together with Campus Crusade. They were like, for all of you in the campus ministry world, they were the MCs of our winter conference for 10 straight years. Uh, and they were legends. And their comedy deal took them to Hollywood where they became famous and multi-multi-millionaires. And this past week, they released uh, two podcasts sharing their testimonies of how they have now denied the faith and reject every single thing of Scripture, resurrection, miracles, the whole nine yards. It has absolutely destroyed me this week. I can't just pray to God and say, Oh, Lord, please bless my old friends. That, that just doesn't work. If I do that, I'm not, I'm not being a human. There's got to be an element of God help them, Block these lies. Don't let them hurt other people. I mean, the whole damn I prayed imprecatory prayers on them this week. And then Lisa's like, what are you doing? Don't You love them. Like, you're right. It's like I've been all over the map of praying for them. And I really think that that's how we're supposed to be. Our emotions have got to fit our prayers. All right. So that's the R. That's the E. The A. Um, this is one that was a little bit of a stretch. But let's just go with always. Always. Um, but what I simply mean is this. Prayer is like oxygen. Uh, we don't take a big gulp in the morning, and that gets us for the next 24 hours. Rather, it is ongoing throughout the day, moment by moment. Again, I love Paul's picture here. I mentioned you in my prayers. It wasn't this long, elongated thing. No, it was a mention. It was a quick thought, and that was the prayer. Um, if you're like me, this is a struggle, uh, and it, it's easy for me uh, to just either forget or get into my habit, that sort of thing, but an ongoing, throughout the day, dialogue with God is not something you have to do, it is something you get to do, and it is a delight, and because God is our Father, even if we imagine our best human relationships, that is what we are now able, free to do. Uh, A couple tools that might help you that I've encouraged people to do over the years. Um, I think it's a good idea on Sunday morning to take your liturgy, your order of worship, take it home with you, take it to work with you. You get a new one every week. Uh, It's a new call to worship. It's a new confession of sin. It's a new assurance of faith. Put that thing with you at work, wherever you are. If it's in your car, if it's at your desk, whatever, reuse it all week long. Uh, people recycle that thing or throw it away. I'm like, keep it. You get another one the following week where it is filled with Scripture. It's filled with prayers. You can use that. I I think that is an underutilized resource. Second thing I would simply say is keep written Scripture near you. Uh, If if you're undiagnosed ADHD like I am, uh, the more things that you can see help you. (laughs) Uh, keep names of people nearby Uh, keep an ongoing list of ways in which you can be thankful Uh, keep an ongoing list of just the reality that god has been merciful to you Uh, so always so we have a relationship he's our father we have emotions because we're humans Uh, it's always because it really is our emotions change and our father's with us all the time The last thing I want to highlight, and um, I wasn't going to do this, and Lisa and I talked about it, and she thought it would be a good idea, and it's the L, uh, and that is list. Um, I'm a prayer list guy. I was kind of discipled in that, and and honestly, I kind of like it. Um, My only deal here is with a prayer list is that the danger is that this can become rote, and it's easy to forget the relationship. Uh, Larry Crabb, who is uh, one of my favorite Christian authors, says that relationship always comes before petition. And it, even if you see that Psalm 18, it's all gospel. And then he gets into a list. Uh, in the Lord's Prayer, it's our Father. Hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Then give us our daily bread, which once you've prayed through the reality of the gospel— what you're going to ask for with your daily bread has then been affected. If you just start with your list of everything you need today, we've <laughs> reduced God into just something that's like, well, if he doesn't give it, maybe he's not even real. And that, that's completely antithetical of what I hope to do. I, I brought my list with me. I've been carrying around this white thing forever. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, It's a bit of a mess. But I literally have the Lord's Prayer here because it helps me, even though I've prayed it for years, I need to see it. It's good for me. So I I, I redo this every year. Then I have a category for family. I pray a different thing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for Lisa uh, and a scripture verse that I kind of change every year. I have something for Macy. It's different Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then different for Sarah, different for Keaton. And then I get into extended family. Uh, I get into people in the church. Uh, I get into disciples. Uh, I get—I I pray for Robert. Uh, a different thing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Neighbors and uh, what else? Uh, financial type stuff. And a different thing each day. But the reason I share this is it helps me. And I've been doing this for years and years and years. I, I'm free to tell you, I have seen the Lord answer very specific things without question. I've seen him do that. And it's usually over time that I can look back a decade later. I do a poor job of recording the answers to prayer, um, but I, I can remember just when I give myself time to do that. I'm not bound to the list. If I don't pick that up for a week, I don't feel like, oh, I better carve out time on Saturday and go back and pray for everything I had pray for this week. That, that's not it. God's our Father. He enjoys us coming to him today. If we don't come today, we'll come tomorrow. Come, stay a while, enjoy his presence. So, I'm going to stop there, and then we can get into Q and A later. Allison, yes. you'll come. Talk about hearing. From you.
1: <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> so, um, I'm going to talk about how um, the second half of prayer, which is God speaks and we listen. And Mark, the whole point of this conference is, you know, being with God, prayer is conversation with God. So when we imagine fireside chats with God, it's not just us talking to him, although it certainly is that, it's also him talking to us. But I think that this is a, the point in prayer where a lot of times we kind of stop. We, we do everything that Mark has talked about. Um, and then we kind of, at least what I do is I, you know, say what I have to say. I'm real with God, you know, in my better moments. And then I kind of attend to other things and wait for him to deliver answers as though he were like Amazon or something with two-day shipping. Um, but the prayer not done at that point. Um, God actually does talk to us, and we listen. And some of us may not even realize that God talks to us. I mean, we kind of know it in one sense, um, and not that we don't want to hear from him because, of course, we do, but it doesn't actually occur to us that God would talk to us as a friend. And when we read things in the Bible, um, like about... God visiting Adam and Eve in the garden, talking with Enoch, talking with Moses face-to-face, all of those seem like they're kind of these exceptional moments in scripture and not really models for our everyday life, but they actually are models for our everyday life. It's really incredible. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, Or if you're like me, sometimes you only come to hear God in a crisis when things like are really bad. All of a sudden you're just like, oh Lord, speak. (laughs) Yeah, your servant will listen. Um, and I'm desperately looking to him for very clear direction, but it's actually pretty hard to learn how to hear God and listen to him in a crisis. We, um, we need to learn how to hear from God um, when we're in the calm, so that when we do hit the crisis, we can actually hear him. In fact, if we listen to God in a crisis, I'm just realizing Stephen printed this off for me and it's double-sided, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna get confused. Okay, um, yes. Uh, If we if we listen to God only in a crisis, then it's probably not going to make sense to us um, if we're expecting God to give us directions. Because as it turns out, even though God does direct our lives, when he speaks, he he is not he's not anxious about your circumstances. He's not in a fluster because of the crisis. And a lot of times he's conversing with us. He's not giving you flight directions like a, a flight attendant. Here are the exits. Um, he's having a conversation with you. And so, so many times I go to God and I say, what should I do? Should we, you know, should I take this job offer? Should we buy this house? Should I say this thing to this friend that I, you know, I'm nervous to say? And that's not a bad thing, but God wants conversation with us. And it made me think of how so many times, well, not so many times, but, um, you know, like if you're walking along with somebody, um And they know where you're going. Like I'm thinking like on campus a lot of times. I have to go to buildings that I don't know where they are. But I'm walking with someone who knows. I don't say to them, tell me how to get there. You know, give me some directions. How do I get to the building? I'm just walking with them. And then as I'm walking with them, I'm kind of following them. They're not telling me now we're going to turn right at this street corner. We just turn right and we're talking about other things. And that's kind of how we get directions from God. We're just walking with him. We're talking. And then somehow we end up where we're supposed to be because we were just kind of at his side. So... Um, That's what God is saying to us. He's saying, I'll take care of it, you know, walk with me. So in the second part of prayer, we get to know God. We become his friend. Um, He makes himself known to us. It's really amazing that, like Mark said, not only do we get to go into his presence where we don't deserve to be, he actually talks back to us and answers and um, makes himself known. So... um, That kind of begs the question, why are we not doing that more? Why are we not listening to God more? Why is this something that so many of us, at least I, really struggle with? And it feels overwhelming to think of hearing from God. So I'm going to look first at some obstacles to listening to God. And then I'm going to look at some practical steps for listening to God. And I'm so thrilled to be going second because you've covered so many great things. I'm going to kind of just like go through this and then we'll leave lots of time for questions. Okay. So obstacles to listening to God. It's so great. We get to hear from God. He actually talks to us like we are his friend, but then why is it so hard and why do we not do it more often? What is it that's getting in the way? Well, I think one obstacle is that we don't actually believe that he is speaking or when we hear him, we don't believe that it's him who is speaking. So it may actually be the case that you can hear God, that he is in fact talking to you, but you don't believe it or you don't know his voice. And so it's not landing and I think that many of us along the way have kind of assumed, like I said, that God's not going to talk to us the way that our friends talk to us. And so if that's our assumption, it's going to be hard to hear when he is talking to us that way. So I want to go back to um, what I said with the, you know, walking in the cool of the evening, like Adam and Eve and um, Moses and all those <coughs> in the Bible. <clears throat> it may actually feel weird and almost a little blasphemous when you start to practice listening prayer, when you start to hear from God, when you start to kind of open yourself up to that, because at least I equated hearing from God with like divine revelation. And I knew he spoke to me in the Bible and I thought that was kind of all he had to say. And so I would go to the Bible trying to hear what God said, but to actually hear him talk to me, Alison, in my you know circumstance right now, felt like, you know, am I allowed to do that? Is that okay? Is this real? I don't want to like ascribe something to God that's not God. And of course, as I am going to say in a minute, we always check what we hear God saying to us against scripture. That is our, our benchmark. But the Bible is full of exhortations as well as real life examples of how we can converse with God and how he can talk back to us. So Adam and Eve and Moses talking back and forth with God, those actually are examples for us for our everyday lives. So that's one obstacle. The problem isn't that God isn't speaking or that you're not hearing, um, you know God's nature is to speak. He will talk to you. This whole you know relationship is his idea. But if you don't believe that you're hearing from him, you're probably going to dismiss the words or put it out of your mind or not sit with it and and like I said, let it land. You might think that can't be God or that's probably not God. And so we make this harder than it has to be because um, we want proof that it's God. We want proof, you know that like I want to make sure that this is God. Um, and so we'll get, the, we'll get to the answer of this obstacle here in just a minute, but just know that um, one obstacle is you may just not even believe that it is him speaking. Okay, second, I think so many times our story gets in the way of hearing from God, especially our story as it relates to our family of origin. Hearing from God is hard because it connects us to the experience that we have of hearing from our own father and mother. And even if you have wonderful parents, they are not perfect parents. And so you have been hurt by them, wounded by them. Your your view of God has been shaped by them for better and for worse. And to the extent that your father or mother talked to you in ways that were not like God, um, how God parents us and talks to us as his children, then you'll have some crossed wires going on. And so, your desires and feelings about God are probably going to be more conditioned by your relationships with your parents than you realize. They're certainly more conditioned by that than your intellectual persuasions. You may think you know exactly about God. You may have all the right theology. But when it comes to actually experiencing God and, like Mark said, being real with God, you're going to be very affected by um, how things were with your own parents. That's the model that God set up. So asking God to talk to you often takes you back to the the very little person inside of you when you were a child, and asking your parents to talk to you. And so it's really worth thinking about what was it like when I was a kid when I wanted to talk to my parents. There's something so beautiful about children that we can learn in prayer. They just there's something about them that is such a model for how we should just waltz right in, climb up on God's lap, you know, talk to Him, listen to Him. But depending on how that was for you as a kid, like I said, you're going to be experienced. So. Um, You know, at the end of a hard day, were your parents attuned to you? Did they sit with you in bed? Did they talk through things? Did they listen to you? Was there a quiet presence? Did they help you make sense of the world? Did they take you seriously? Um, Or were you left to your own devices to figure things out on your own? Or were you told, here's all the things you need to fix? Um, Or were you told, you're kind of an inconvenience and I don't have time for you right now? In not so many words. I'm sure no one's parents said those things, but those may have been the messages that got communicated. So if you didn't have that from your parents, what do you think happens when you sit down to listen to God? All of that comes rushing back. And so many times we have a kill switch where it's like, it's too much, it's a little painful, so I'm just going to cut that out and, you know, I'll try again another time. Um, So you have to face any unmet longings or heartache or loneliness that you have in your own relationship, especially with your parents. Um, You need to wrestle with that. And listening prayer is actually, ironically, a really good place to do that. But you could be a five-point Calvinist, but if your mother was too concerned with keeping the house clean to take time to emotionally engage with you, then listening prayer is gonna be hard because you're gonna feel like an inconvenience even though you know in your head that's not true. So you have to think about that. Um, You know, what is it about your story that makes hearing from God difficult? All right. so. Um, In fact, I could kind of list this as another obstacle to prayer. I included it in this one, but I think it applies. I think a huge obstacle to listening prayer is that we don't realize how much we desperately need it. How how do I get out from feeling scared about what God's gonna tell me and what I'm gonna hear from God? I get out of that by hearing from God. I get out of that by listening to God. Like Mark said, experiencing him telling me how he feels about me and actually receiving that. Um, He delights over me, he (laughs) sings over me, and I can know that in my head, but I'm not. if I'm not opening myself up to experiencing that, then it won't actually change my heart. So um, the need that we have is what gives us ears to hear God. Our weakness is what actually gives us our hearing. I love the phrase, hungry people eat. I think it's so true. And so when you realize how hungry you are and how much you actually need to hear from God... It just, you know, you don't have to conjure up this motivation to somehow sit down and say, okay, I'm going to hear from God. You just will because you realize how desperately you need it. So if you're not aware of your need for conversation with him, it's going to be hard to listen to him. That's going to be an obstacle. And if we lose ourselves kind of in the endless maze of our chemical dependencies on other thing or, you know, the things that we kind of like fill our time with or numb ourselves out with. I feel like I so often in the moments where I know that I could hear from God, I feel like I'm like at a crossroads and I want to reach for my phone. That's like my thing that I just kind of like, I can hear from God while I play this game on my phone or I can hear from God while I like check my email really quick. And um, even, you know, as I'm preparing, I've been preparing this, you know, for a couple of months now and really tuning into, you know, my experience of prayer just to kind of try and like really zone in on this. And I feel like so often when I go to pray, I feel like God says, oh, just leave your phone. Just leave your phone. Don't check your phone, you know. And um, it kind of makes me cry because I think about how if Stephen were to check his phone every time we were talking, I would be so hurt. And I do that to God all the time. So I think that that's something that um, this doesn't really go along with your family of origin hurting you, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you kind of get the point. Um, if you if you if you're not present to that, if you're not bringing that to God, if you're just kind of numbing out or killing um, that and not being curious about why it is that it's hard for you to approach Him, then it's just it's it's sad. We're missing out. God is right there, ready to talk to us, but He's not hurried and He's not going to compete. You know, He's got all the time in the world. And so he's not gonna um, he's not gonna bang you over the head of it with it. He's not that kind of a parent. Okay, one more obstacle to listening to God. This kind of goes along with that. We are not attuned to the quiet stillness of His voice. There are so many voices speaking to us. Um, there's our own voice in our head. There's other people's voices. There's the world's voice. There's the devil, spiritual. Warfare and attack is a very real thing that we're kind of asleep to, I think, um, in our culture. So what do we do with all these other voices that come up? It makes me think of 1 Kings 19 when God spoke to Elijah. Uh, Elijah was feeling really desperate. He was on the run from Jezebel. He's hiding in a cave. And God is not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. He's in the whisper. The messages that God gives us are seemingly unremarkable, unassuming, and not easily noticed you can't play a game on your phone and you know he's not going to he's not necessarily going to um, butt his way in. So let me just say um, now as a transition to talking about some more practical steps this all is the kind of thing where it just it takes a lot of practice. It's something that we do over time and you get better. It's not something like Mark said where you just like take a big gulp of I love that. You don't take a big gulp of oxygen and then, you know, kind of like you're good for the day. This is something where you just over time, you're not gonna have a dramatic, you likely won't have a dramatic vroom, you know? All of a sudden, you're like hearing God all the time and talking to God and being real. It's something that's just like, over time, you learn how to do it. The more you converse, the more you stumble and fall and then have a success or feel, you know, like the, feel like you're really connecting with God, the more that this happens. And I actually have had a really interesting picture of this because I have two-year-old twins who are both girls. And so there's a lot of talking in our house and when they were you know a little bit younger they were learning words and um, literally just like learning objects but right now they're in that phase where they're actually learning to converse it's like an art it's a skill to actually converse it's not just talking they don't just learn this object is this they're actually learning how to take turns how to ask questions how to answer questions and they're not very good at it but of course like my heart just like swells every time we have a conversation um, one of my, one of them loves to say, Mom, let's go in the front room and talk. And so we go in the front room and talk, and she sits down, and this is what she, this is literally what she says. <laughs> she doesn't know what to say, but she knows the cadence of what a conversation is supposed to sound like. And she wants to ca- talk with me. She sees me talking with friends or with my husband, and she doesn't know how to say it, so she just says babble. And I say, babble right back. You can tell I'm <laughs> really good at it now. Because, And then she'll start everything with like, so, someone take a dick and <laughs> And I'll say, mm-hmm, so, so. it's just the most precious thing. Um, she's learning how to converse. And we're the same. We have to learn how to converse. We have to learn how to talk, how to take turns, how to listen. So it's okay if you go to God and you're just babbling. He will be as delighted with you as I, I, as I am with my own daughter when we do that. So just know that this is a skill and it's something, it's a, it's something that practice will definitely, um, you're learning, we're learning, it's a process and you'll get better over time at hearing God speak to you. Okay, just a few practical steps to listening to God. The first is, I mean, it kind of is obvious, but it's actually really hard, and that is to be quiet. If you wanna to listen to God, you have to actually be quiet. When I wanna to listen to what somebody else has to say to me, I have to be quiet, I can't hear them when I'm talking. So we can't hear God with our ears ringing, with our own loud voices, or our to-do list that's pounding down at the door, or anything else that Satan would use to keep us from hearing God. You have to be quiet to hear. So you need to assume a posture of stillness. And honestly, this is really hard. Like I said, i it's like all I can do not to reach for my phone in moments like this. We are in a culture that is dominated by doing over being, but listening to God means being with God. So be quiet and assume that God will talk to you. It really is God's nature to speak. He will speak. Think about Genesis 1. God's very first act is to speak. He speaks the world into existence. Think about John Wood, John 1. The word became flesh. The word, God speaks. God's the one who created words. Intimacy through conversation is his idea. You may have to wait to hear it, but he will actually speak to you. So be quiet and wait because it's coming. Number two, I would start small, kind of like, you know, the babbling conversation. Start small. Ask God simple questions. Ask him, what would you like to say to me today? He will likely say simple things like, I love you. It may be words that he gives you. It may be an image that he gives you that you think about. It may be just a sense of him sitting right there with you, being present. But ask him simple questions and listen for his simple answers. <clears throat> Number three, um, again, not to like give a to-do list, but I do think that it helps to write down what you hear God saying to you. So this kind of goes along with Mark, Mark's list. It's like the caveat. You don't have to do that. But I do think there is something really you know, interesting that happens when you write down your prayers, either your prayers to God. And often when I think of writing down prayers, I think of writing down my own prayers to God. But write down what God is saying to you. There are many reasons to journal back what he says, or to journal what he is saying back to you. And one of those main reasons is that it actually helps you to learn to recognize God's voice. Because remember, there's lots of voices in the mix, your own thoughts, the world, Satan. So when you write down what you hear, it's kind of like brainstorming. Don't evaluate, don't filter out, you know, no idea is a bad idea in the brainstorming phase. Write down everything you hear. And then once you've got everything kind of down and you don't feel like there's any more voices rattling around in your head, then you can look at it and you can see it's pretty easy to start narrowing it down. It's, ob- it's easy to see the obvious lies from Satan or our wounds. Um, like when I write down and say, I'm afraid of what God is going to say to me, it's kind of like, ooh, okay, I need to think about that. Why am I afraid of what God is going to say to me? When you write it down in black and white, um, it's, it's easier to recognize God's voice. And you do learn to recognize God's voice and the tone of his voice over time. There is a character to God's voice. He has a way of talking. He's a person. And that character is endlessly kind. It does not bully you. It does not condemn you. It does not shame you. If you have any voices in your head and you write them down and there's shame in it, you can just easily cross that off. That's not from God. That's not the tone of his voice. He is inviting. He is peaceful. He is unhurried. He is not harsh, even if he tells you hard things. He's sometimes playful. It's really amazing to me, the more that I've been doing listening prayer, it's like God has a really good sense of humor. Sometimes he disrupts you and he says something and you just feel like, no, or I I don't know, I don't know about that. And he welcomes the pushback. A lot of times he surprises me with what he says. Often he'll answer your question with a question of his own. But no matter what, the frame of what he says to you is going to be what Mark referenced. It's the frame of a dear father speaking to his dear child. That is the relationship in which prayer happens. Our father. He is our dear father, and he speaks to you the way he would speak to a dear child. And again, this makes me think of my own kids. They know they don't just know my voice, although they know that they hear it all day, every day but they know the tone of the, my voice. They know the way that I speak. And so if somebody were to come up to them, even at two years old and say to them like, Hey, um, Claire, your mom thinks you're too sensitive. I'm pretty sure that even at two, Claire would, I mean, I don't know if she knows what sensitive is, but she, she would, it would like not sit with her because I, that's not really, that doesn't sound like me. That's not something that I would really say to them. So same thing. When you write down what you hear God saying, um, you can also weed out things that it's like you get to know God's voice. You know, you know what? That doesn't sound like God. That's not God talking to me. All right. Next practical step: I would familiarize myself with all the ways that God talks to you, and be open to the fact that sometimes it's in the very quiet moment where you've you know you've quieted down, you've been silent, you're journaling, you listen to Him. But God talks to you all the time, and the more that you do this, the more that you will hear Him. I'll just. Take that A from the acronym, always. God is talking to you through so many things. It's not just sermons or quiet times or Bible reading, although those are really big times. God speaks to us through creation, through his actions among us in our everyday circumstances, through, um, through the church, through his spirit, through our daily experience, through other people, through professional counselors, through our friends, our neighbors, our spouses, our parents, our children. These are all the instruments of God. And again, everything goes back to being checked against the Bible, but God really talks to us in all different kinds of ways. So first, and most importantly, God does speak to us through the scripture. The Bible is a breathing, living, murmuring letter from the Father. And so whenever we, want, whenever we believe we have heard from God somewhere else, we always return to the Bible to confirm <coughs> what we're hearing from God. The Bible isn't just the present dialogue of God, um, uh, Walter and Jr., who's one of my favorite authors, um, said that the Bible is like God's dictionary. Mm-hmm. It's like a grammar book that tells us God's words, his chosen language, and the meanings of those words. And so, of course, we come back to this over and over and learn it thoroughly because that's what tunes our ears into the voice of God. And by learning his grammar book, his dictionary, then we start to see it in other places. So we learn scripture in order to distinguish God's voice in our everyday life. God also talks to us through our own thoughts. And again, this can be kind of feel a little loosey goosey and airy fairy because, I mean, there's like a lot of thoughts in my own in my own mind. But God's words often come to us through thoughts that feel like they are our own thoughts, even though they're not thoughts that are from us. And I think that's kind of how you learn to distinguish it. It feels like your thought, but it's not a thought that you could have on your own. There's just something about the thought that feels weighty or feels almost like it has an asterisk, asterisk on it. Like you just can't quite get, get around it. You know, That is a pretty good sign that what you're hearing is from God. Not weighty like it's shaming you or weighting you down, but weighty like it's kind of like, hmm, I really want to sit with that for a minute. God's you know, spiritual invasions into our lives when he talks to us, um, sometimes by their very gentleness, can prompt us to try and almost explain them away. Um, We want something loud. God's voice is often quiet, but it also has a weightiness that will stick with you. And again, this makes me think of 1 Kings 19. Um, The Lord God said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. He went out. It drew him out. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So God didn't jump straight into giving Elijah a bunch of directions. He instead met him where he was. He drew him out. Elijah was hiding. He was afraid. He was desperate. He's living in a cave. God draws him out and he doesn't tell him what to do. He asks him a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? And it starts a conversation. All right. Um, Two more points Um, and I'll do them really quick. One is um, open yourself up to be known by God in his speaking to you. So I don't know. Open yourself up. That's a shorter version of it. I think that this really is a huge part of listening prayer, and Mark kind of talked about this when he was talking about emotions and being real and laying it before the Lord. Sherry Simmons was um, just so on this point last night when she said that you know she actually experiences what God experiences about her. There's something about not just you know knowing what God thinks about you, but to actually experience God experiencing you. It's this weird I don't know experiencing god experiencing you it's not it's it's really something it changes your heart when you um when you open yourself up to that but it takes vulnerability it takes vulnerability to hear god the first thing that you might feel when you do listening prayer unless you're someone who's already been doing it a lot is kind of it's a sense of awkwardness and uncertainty it feels a little weird to kind of be like you know hi god Um, I don't really know what to say. I don't know how to listen to you. I should because I've been a Christian for decades, and yet this is something that's new for me. Um, You really are putting yourself out there, and you're asking God to speak to you, and you're not really sure what you're going to get back. And sometimes God chooses to say things to you that you wouldn't necessarily choose to hear. Not not like condemnation, but just things that feel like, well, that doesn't apply. Kind of like You know when Mark's talking about being real and bringing the real you to to God. Sometimes he, you know, will say something back to you that maybe irritates you, or it feels too simplistic, or it feels like it doesn't quite fit. It's not what you expected. Sweet baby. Um, But you know that's an invitation to wrestle with what God is saying, not because it's you know you you don't like it, but just be you know be curious about it. Be curious about why is God saying this to you? Why is God telling you this now? Don't just dismiss it. Open yourself up to it. What if it's really true? And I know this sounds crazy, but I have had to do that the most often when God says, "I love you." That is the hardest thing for me to hear, for it to actually land. I know that in my mind, I read it in my Bible, but to actually sit and experience what it means for God to love you—I can't talk about it too much longer because then you'll just all start crying. But it—it—it—it's—it um, it feels so vulnerable. Um, and yet when I let it land and when I actually wrestle and say, well, God, I don't feel like you love me. I feel like here's all the things that make me think that that's not true or, you know, you, um, you're telling me this, but it's really hard for me to, to, to believe you, he can handle that. And it's really amazing when you open yourself up to that, how he will just drop the gospel in in the sweetest way. So it's always a gift. God's words are always a gift. I do think that in our Western post-enlightenment data-driven culture, we don't know what to do with things like that. We don't know what to do with, like, opening ourselves up to God experiencing us. We like to have systematic theology. We like logic. We like to, you know, know all the right things. But that is actually a way of trying to be in control. That's a way of trying to have, you know, the upper handle. It's like if you can get all your, all your um, facts straight or all your theology straight, um, we're content to kind of just rest there and be right in our beliefs. And that gives us, like I said, a sense of power. But ultimately, it actually alienates us from God. And it alienates us from others. Christianity is not about being right. Although, it turns out we are right. But it's not about... (laughs) But that's not what it's about. Christianity is about being loved. At its core, Christianity is about being loved. So when we listen to God over time, we begin to feel what God feels about us. And we listen to him, and it touches the deepest parts of us. It stirs up joy. It stirs up pain. It stirs up hope. And it changes us. This is why, you know, this is what they mean when they say prayer changes us. It actually changes the affections of your heart. And I just want to kind of conclude by saying that I, again, not to bring my kids into this, but I can't help it, they're just such a perfect picture of how this works. I've recognized this in my my twins because one of them, I have a little song that I made up for them. It's really, they're so cheesy and embarrassing. I will not sing them to you right now, but I sing it to them before we go to bed at night. And I have one daughter who just lays in my lap. I hold her head in my lap, and we swing back and forth. And she just like does this and sings my song. And it just lands on her. And she loves it, and she enjoys it. And I'm telling you, it like almost brings me to tears, which is not a hard thing to do, clearly. But every night, you know, it's just like, it's so touching. It's like she is enjoying me, enjoying her. She's opening herself up to this. And then I have another, and that's the daughter, by the way, who's like Stephen. <laughs> I have another daughter who is just like me. and. She, when I do it, she looks at me and she says, mama, what's that? Mama, those are your glasses. Mama, that's a door. Mama, where's my baby? And talks to me and I'll be like, you know, start to maybe answer it and then I go back into singing the song for Cecily. And she just wants to ask me questions. She wants to tell me all the things that she knows. She feels like this is like a perfect time to just display her vast knowledge of the, you know, all the objects that she's identified in her room. And she has a really, she has a harder time absorbing and accepting me enjoying her. You can tell that she's almost just like, doesn't know what to do with it. Um, and I'm sure that I've hurt her in some way and that's why she's like having a hard time. I don't know. We'll <laughs> pay for her counseling later, but I do feel like, um, I feel like it's such a perfect picture of how God, I mean, I, it makes me want to be like Claire. It makes me want to just like throw my hands back, as silly as that feels, and let God talk to me and and experience him experiencing me. I don't want to be like Cecily where I'm telling him all the things that I know, hoping that you know he'll be impressed by my knowledge of, you know, mm-hmm. All the stuffed animals or something. So I just want to conclude by saying that listening to God is something that takes practice. It, it is something that develops over time. If it's hard to hear from God, don't let that stop you. Be curious about it. Use that as an opportunity to listen to God. Say to him, why is this? Be curious and ask him and then listen for him to answer. I do think that... Um, It's really something that um, God's most potent, most revealing, most beautiful word of all that he speaks to us, the most beautiful thing he speaks to us is Jesus himself. It is the word that was from the beginning. It existed before God uttered the universe, the word which became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. The entire life of Christ, from incarnation to death, to resurrection and ascension, is the re-echoing shout of a father. I love you. You are mine. When you pray to me, I listen. And when I hear you, I answer. I will never cease to heed you, and I will never cease to speak my love to you.